Okay, we're going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy on me. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are on the fourth step. We've done... Uh, the purpose of the fourth step, and we've done two talks on resentment. And I just want to make a few comments before we get uh, further in the book. We'll, we'll pick it up on um, page 64, 65. Um, we're not talking about drinking now. We're talking about the root of our problem, which is our self-centeredness. Does everybody agree with that? And we're an extreme example of self when we're in riot. And when we do that, we've led a life that's unmanageable. We're in conflict with everybody and everything. Why? Because we don't like the way people are doing our script. We don't like the way the world is reacting to what I want. No, people aren't reacting to my expectations. Things aren't going the way I think they should. And I take circumstances and I turn them into problems, and I get disturbed and angry. Now, it's okay for normal people. I know a lot of people in church who are very disturbed, and that's okay. They're not alcoholics. For alcoholics, when we get this way, we're in danger of drinking, because we don't like that feeling, and we want to fix it with alcohol or drugs. And so in the fourth step, we're really looking at how a life run on self-will looks, so we can see what happens when we're in self, and we can take some actions to get back to God. Yeah, when you're doing the fourth step and you're new, you've never looked at this, so you have no idea what's wrong with you. But the stuff we're talking about today, we, I have to use every day. And the, the more I practice it, the better I get at not being disturbed. And I've had some people comment on the site about what I wrote about the spiritual axiom that Bill W. says, no matter what the cause, if we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us. And I had people talk about the amygdala and the brain and the range of emotions and people talk about the Holocaust and, and severe childhood trauma and things like that. They're not talking about that. He's talking about in the day, going through your day, how you react to situations. And can you practice the serenity prayer or not? And if you're disturbed, you're not with God. And then you can't react in fit spiritual condition. So all he's really talking about is I'm disturbed, angry about something. Then there's something wrong with me because I'm not with God. Now when I'm with God, the situation I go to God and I say, well, this person at work did this and this and this. And God will say, well, that's just the way it is. You know, it'll be okay. You know, say the prayer. Uh, or I get a fear. And God will say, that's okay, Michael, say the prayer. God save me from uh, my fear and direct my attention to how I be. And so I don't want to be disturbed. Sandy Beach makes the point that for alcoholics are at one table in the in the country club and the, the uh, normal people at the other. And the normal people are talking about their golf game and how much money they made and how many cars they have and 
this and that. And the alcoholics would sit around saying, you know, I was only disturbed two times yesterday. And, I, and the other guy goes, I was only disturbed three times. And that's, that's what we want. We want peace with God. Now, I can't have peace with God if I'm separated from God. Now, I'm studying Romans for a Bible study. I want to chapter 5 in Romans. And he says we have peace with God if we have a relationship with uh, his son. Now, I'm not talking about Christianity here, but it, he uses that, that that's how you get peace with God. And that's what everybody should really want, is peace with God. Because if I'm at peace with God, then I'm not Michael. And so that's why the serenity prayer, we say it before the meetings here, I need God to give me this serenity, this undisturbed view of a situation. Now somebody said if Martin Luther King wasn't disturbed, then he wouldn't have changed. And that's not what they're talking about. Martin Luther King saw something, and he asked God to give him serenity so that he could decide what he needed to accept or change. And what we're talking about here for us, basically, is you go to the food store. Are you disturbed if they don't have what you want? Or you have to wait in line too long? Or uh, the, the, you can't get the cart fast enough? Or you're driving and they're not making the turn right? Or you're at work and somebody isn't doing what you want fast enough? And these things are the way we see the world. And I'll tell you, I, I, I admit we used to make myself disturbed a lot. Not much anymore. Of course, I'm retired, but uh, it's different. I just recognize it and I don't want to be. And so we're going to look at the manifestations of self, which is resentment and it's fear. And then harmful actions to others in relationship. And we don't want to do that anymore. I was just uh, with uh, two of the grandchildren who uh, the parents uh, have been divorced and they go to one house to the other. And the, the uh, young girl was crying because she's 15 and they're they're very mean to her at the other house. She can't call her mother. It's blocked. She can't do this and that. And, it was, and I said, well, you know, they, they're angry. Your, your dad has resentment at your mother, and it's been, what, 11 years, 12 years now, but he's still carrying it. And he's the one that's suffering, but you're, you're suffering from his resentment. And remember, it says we make decisions based on self that put us in a position to harm ourselves and others. And our problems are our own making, and they arise out of ourselves where self will run riot. So I don't want to live in anger anymore. And then people have commented, well, Jesus got angry you know, at the church, at the moneylenders, at the synagogue. Well, I've heard uh, people who are very well-known theologians expound on that. And what was his father's house was being invaded. And he wanted to stop the invasion of his father's house. And we're not talking that that was anger and unjustified anger. You would be upset if somebody was coming in your house with a gun. We're not talking about that when we're talking about resentment and being disturbed. We're talking about our expectations and they're not being met. And he gives four examples here. He talks about Mr. Brown. He's talking about somebody he works with, how he's going to get his job because he's, I'm not at work really, I'm drunk. And he told my wife of his mistress, and that pissed him off, and he paid attention to my wife because this guy was never home. And so we're talking about uh, how our resentments are often wrong. They're not true. They're called wrong judgment. 
and then we believe them and we act on them. And then we harm ourselves and we harm other people. Does this make any sense? I know I'm rambling tonight, but that's okay. So it says you go back through your life, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. And when we finished, we considered it carefully. Now what we're looking at is basically in the fourth, in the fourth step is these deep-seated resentments that you have for people you've worked with, people you're working with now, relatives, family members, uh, schoolmates that are really still bothering you because you want to see the truth about them and face and be rid of them. And then you also want to look at the people who just irritate you and they bother you and what they did. So you can see how you're going to use this every day so you can be free of anger. Anger is a choice. You have a situation or a person, you can choose to get angry or not. Now, if you're not in fit spiritual condition, you can't. You just get angry. But if you're with God, remember it says in the 10th step, we're in the world of the spirit now. We're living with him. We have the, his power. We watch for resentment. When it starts to crop up, we ask God it wants to remove it. We don't have to stay in it. We can recognize it and be free of it and then just see the situation for what it is. Remember it says in this book you can handle calamity with serenity. If you're letting God demonstrate through you what he can do and you're doing his work. And so this is all about living a God-centered life and not self-centered. And if you're living a God-centered life, then the promises on page 83 come true. They only come true if you're with God. They don't come true. You don't get them and get a sheet of paper and say, boy, I got the nine-step promises. That's great. Now, there are things that happen to you when you're with God. And, and so you can't be with God if you're angry, if you're upset at somebody, if you have a negative emotion. I used to say that it, you go to work, somebody pisses you off. You go home, you're sitting in your chair, and you're really upset at them. And they're home watching Big Bang. They don't give a crap. And you're the one who's upset, and you've made whoever you're angry at your higher power. They control you. And it's silly. You want God to be your higher power, and God cannot be your higher power if you substitute him with somebody else. It could be the government. It could be anything. But um, So it says you go back through your life, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we are finished, we consider it carefully. So you're going to make a list of the things that really bothered you. And you don't have to make 300. I had a lot of people that bothered me in my life. I couldn't remember them all. But now that I'm retired, things will come up and I'll say, boy, when I was 27 and I was a second year resident, why did I do that? You know, they just come in your mind. And I say, well, I wouldn't react that way anymore. And the, and the longer you're doing this, the longer you could see how before you worked the steps, you were self-centered and you made bad decisions. And, you, and that helps you to be disciplined not to do it today. So what was apparent was the world and its people were often quite wrong, right? Everybody comes in here as a list of people that really, I used to say should be executed, but nobody laughed. But we have a list of people that really really ruined my life. And, and I could see that they were wrong. 
to conclude that others were wrong was as far as we ever got, right? We had a list. But the usual outcome was that they continued to wrong us in our minds. See, it's all in my mind. It's not, it's not real. And I stayed sore. Now, if I stay sore, I'm not in good shape, am I? Did anybody drink when they were angry? Did anybody want to drink it of resentment? A lot of people do that. Sometimes it was, and you know, these people are treating us so poorly, right? And I'm trying so hard, and they're so mean to me, and blah, blah, blah. And then you get into self-pity, and then people drink. Sometimes it's remorse, and then we're sore at ourselves, because maybe we could see that we had something. But the more we fought and tried to have my own way, notice own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victory only seemed to win. There's no winning when you're angry and your resentments. It's not a question of right or wrong. It's a question of situation. And how do we react to it? Remember, the point of the steps is that we want to be a certain way. Instead of being angry and, and impatient and intolerant and envious and greedy and uh, all the things on the left-hand side, we want to be God's character. We want to be loved, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, compassionate. And if we're not being that way, then we're not acting the way God wants us. And so when we have a situation where we want to be love, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, compassionate, and we don't want to be angry or resentful or negative emotions. And I heard somebody say that the only thing lacking in any situation is the love I don't bring into it. And I listened to that and I said, wow. If you're bringing love into a situation, it's going to be handled better. You'll react to it better. It may not change the circumstances, but change the way you react. And remember, we're talking about love and tolerance of others as our code of living. It says that on page 84. We're working the steps so we can be loving and tolerant. So people can do disturbing things, but we have the shield that God puts in front of our eyes so that we don't get disturbed by their disturbing behavior. It doesn't mean you excuse other people. It means you don't get disturbed. You don't get angry about them. You forgive. You're loving towards them. They, and we're not excusing people, because people do a lot of bad things. But we don't want what they're doing to change my relationship with God. I think that's a good way of saying it. We don't want anyone here to separate me from God, because I don't like the what they're doing. I have to accept and be loving to them. And I think that's uh, pretty consistent with the New Testament. Right, Josh? Yeah. All right, good. He said yes. And so, as a war, the victory always seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. And what was our triumph? We were angry. They were wrong. We felt justified. We felt, but it's very short-lived. And here's, here's a key, par key two paragraphs in the book, page 66. It is plain, it should be plain when you're doing your four-step, and it should be plain when you're living every day, that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Now, what are they saying there? That if I'm living a life where I have these deep resentments towards other people, those resentments make my life futile and unhappy. Why? Because they're, they're my higher power. I can't be useful. I can't be at peace if I'm having deep resentment. So we want to, in the fourth step, we're trying to look at those deep resentments. 
But then we also want to look at what, what disturbs you during the day. What kind of things bother you? You can see how it's when you're in self. So there are two points to this, to get rid of the deep resentments and to see how when we're living in self, things bother us and how we have tools to get free of that right away. To the precise extent that I permit these, now notice the words, to the precise extent that I allow these deep resentments, I'm the one who, who permits them. The resentments don't say, Michael, stay upset. No, that I have to permit these do I squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? I've wasted my life in fear and anger. I wasted a lot of time being afraid and a lot of time being angry. And there's nothing useful about having a life of fear. Anybody find that useful? And now I have very little fear because I know how to handle it because I've worked these steps. But fear drove my life, fear not being good enough. And my fear of not being good enough and not getting approval could make me upset if I had to wait in line too long because then I'm no good or if people cut in front of me or people at work don't quite follow my directions. I don't know, am I making any sense to anybody? It, it, it's, it's sad because we're always watching to see how people react to us. Did anybody get a resentment for somebody because you thought they didn't like you? And you don't even know, you never even but you knew they didn't like it. So you had to be angry at them. Maybe I'm the only one. But you know, I could tell who doesn't like me. So I'm going to be angry at them to protect my self-esteem and my pride. I don't know. I don't do that anymore. I, I, I don't worry about what people think about me anymore. It's, it's a waste of time. But he says, but with the alcoholics, so they're talking about alcoholics now, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. So we want to maintain this conscious contact with God and grow in our relationship with God. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. Now, infinitely grave is bad. But the, the, you may not know that. So here's what he says. We found it's fatal. So these resentments are killing us. Because if an alcoholic has, does not have a relationship with God, we, we have no power over alcohol and we cannot manage our lives. And then if we keep managing our lives, we're gonna drink again. That experiment's been done. That's why very few people make it, because very few people do the steps like this and they try to live this life and keep doing it every day. And these are just tools. So here's the deal, when I harbor such feelings, so a harbor is a safe place where they put boats during the storm. So I put my resentments in a safe place in my head so nobody can get to them. And when I harbor these feelings, what happens? It says I shut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit, capital S. I shut myself off from God. So here I am sitting at home, angry about something that happened at one o'clock, it's eight o'clock, and I'm harboring these resentments and I'm shut out from the sunlight of God. And if I keep doing that every day and long enough, then I'm going to have no power over alcohol and I'll drink again. That's what they're saying. Now, some people don't drink, but they're just miserable. And they're miserably around. We want to have peace. We want to have serenity. We want to be loving. We want to be tolerant. We want to be fit ourselves maximally to be of use to God's children and God. 
right? That's our purpose. And it says when you, when you do this, the insanity of alcohol returns. The insanity of alcohol returns. That I think I can take one drink. That it won't harm me this time. And, and my mind knows that when I'm spiritually disconnected from God and I have these negative emotions, that alcohol will fix that. Does anybody know that? And that's why we, our mind says, get a drink. So we get a drink because we're angry about something that happened three days ago, but we don't even realize it. And it says that with us to drink is to die. So this is written for alcoholics, but I've met a lot of people who have resentment, and they act on them, and they're not fun to be around, and I don't think they're very happy. And I think this would work for everybody, these steps. It says, so if we're to live, does anybody want to live? So if you're an alcoholic and you want to live, they tell you you have to be free of anger. So then people say, well, you know, Jesus was angry. And this. I don't want to hear that. If you're an alcoholic and you're getting disturbed and you're in conflict with everybody and everything, you're in a relationship and you're always upset with the person in your relationship or at work, you're, you're, you're not, uh, things are not going to go well. And things are, are not going to, uh, go well in terms of your staying sober and in your relationship with God. So they wanted to be free of anger and they wanted to live. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for them. Now other people will say, well, you know, I can be a little angry. I don't care. Have a party. You know, if you want to be angry and you're alcoholic, you think it's okay, fine. Let me know what happens. But for me, I don't want to be angry. It says, the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men. Dubious means questionable. But for alcoholics, these things are poison. It's poison for me to run the world. It's poison for me to get angry at people um, and judge things as wrong. Now, you may think something's wrong and judge it wrong, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. So if you work these steps, when you're in a situation, you go to God. And you say, God, this is a situation. And how do I deal with it? And then God will say, OK, Michael, let's see. Do we want to accept this, or do we want to change it? How do we want to react? Are we being loving? Are we being kind? Are we being intolerant or impatient? And then we do the sixth and seventh step. We look at what character defects are causing me to be angry and ask God to remove them and, and put his character in. And it's poison for us. It's poison for alcoholics to be disturbed and angry. So here's the key. This is never read at any meeting I've been to. But there are one, two, three paragraphs that tell you how to be free of anger. Isn't that something? We should count the words. It says, we turn back to this list, for it holds the key to the future. So the first three columns of your resentment inventory, who you're angry at, what they did, and what was threatened, is the key to your future. Why? Because you're going to have to learn how to be free of anger and forgive these people and see them differently and have a relationship with God. It says, so now you're going to look at your anger your resentments from an entirely different angle. Instead of looking at it through Michael's eyes, this is what they did, this is it, this is it. I'm going to look at it differently. 
So we begin, and that's why you do it with someone else. You have a, somebody help you who's done this. So you begin to see that the world and its people really dominate us. Your 25 or 30 names, these people dominated you. They still do. Some of them, when you come in, you have these resentments. So in that state, the wrongdoing of others, what I thought was wrong, fancied or real. It may not even be true. A lot of times, a person will come in and they hate mother because mother did this, 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 and this. And it threatened their self-esteem and their pride. And I look at them and I say, well, you're a terrible mother. I said, did she carry you in your belly for nine months? In her belly? Did she change your diapers? Did you have dinner? Did she work? Did she keep the house? You see, they're looking at two or three episodes of things that mother may have done that upset them. And, and they're seeing that they're looking at mother wrong. Mother's just mother. And so it says, we, the, these resentments have the power to kill, so how can we escape them? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? Now, I couldn't master my anger. I didn't know how to deal with anger until I started doing this. We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So this was their course. This is what the people who worked these steps did. Now, if you want to be free from anger, I, rec I recommend that you try to do this. So you take the three columns and you realize that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually ill. And that they're human beings, that's what they're saying. They're human beings. They have their own personality. They may be self-centered too. They're human beings. Though we did not like the symptoms of their spiritual illness and the way these disturbed us, they, like me, were sick too. You see, I was ill. And I was probably on a lot of people's resentment list. I didn't think about that for the first few years, but maybe I made. See what I mean? We don't see it. So I may not like the symptoms of like what mother did and how she disturbed me, but they, like themselves, were sick too. When they're talking about sick now, they're talking about just being human beings, because all human beings are self-centered. That's what Paul says in Romans. And, and that's our, our personality. And they may not have been God-centered when they did the things that disturbed you. So now you're going to have four prayers to be free of anger. So you have the name. doesn't matter what they did anymore. doesn't matter how they threatened. It doesn't even matter the name anymore. You say, God, how can I show whoever you're upset with the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend? So you take the name and you ask God to give you love, tolerance, pity, and patience that you would give to anybody who is ill. And they're just human beings. So you're asking God to change the way you see them. And when a person offended, so that's the first prayer I say, so-and-so is a sick man, or I just say, that's the way it is. How can I be helpful to him? Second prayer, how can I be helpful? We can't be helpful if you're angry. And three, God saved me from being angry, I will be done. Now, it doesn't say here that you pray for the other person. You hear that a lot in AA. So-and-so pissed me off, I'm going to pray for them. That may be good or bad, I don't know. But here it says, I need to pray for God to keep me from being angry. I will be done. Now, if I want to pray for somebody, I would pray that they open their hearts to the Lord and let him work in their life and that they have peace with their Lord, with God. And if they do, then maybe they would react differently. 
So God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And then it says we avoid retaliation or argument. It never works. It just makes it worse. People have to remember that. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We want to be helpful to everybody. And you can't be helpful if you're angry. You can be helpful if you have love, patience, and tolerance. If, you, if you're not angry anymore, God save you from being angry. We cannot be helpful to all people. And here's the fourth pair. God, show me how to take a kind, tolerant view of everybody. So all day long, if something bothers me, I said, well, they're just spiritually all like me. God, give me love, patience, and tolerance for this person. How can I be helpful? God, save me from being angry at them and give me a kind and tolerant view of them. By the time you finish that, you've changed the way you see them. And after a while, you don't want to say the prayers. It takes too long. You just want to say, they are who they are. It is what it is. How do I deal with this? Give me a positive way of dealing with this, Lord. And just pausing, that's Bill says, it says on page 87, when we're agitated or doubtful, we pause. Pause. I pause, say the four prayers. I just pause and ask God for the right thought or action. Change the way I'm seeing things. Somebody told me today I went to Walgreens and I paid, and the guy says, has a good day. I said, well, I'm the only person who can ruin it. He thought it was funny, but it's true. See, I, I have the power to ruin my day by how I see things and putting things as problems. Sandy B., who's uh, Grady's favorite, was my favorite, I listened to all his talk. He says, we don't have problems anymore in AA. We have situations. And that's what they're talking about when they're disturbed there's something wrong with us because I'm seeing things as a problem rather than a situation. And you say, God, how do I handle this situation? Or how do I handle this person? How do I react to it in a positive way? So if you say these four prayers for everybody that you've ever been angry with, then you're going to change and you'll be able to forgive them and you see them as human beings. And then, as we'll do next time, then we look at my mistake and the resentment. And then we're not looking at their mistakes, putting out my mind their wrongs. What did I do that caused the resentment? And it's always I'm inconsiderate because I'm getting angry, right? I'm intolerant because I'm getting angry. I'm not being loving because I'm getting angry. It's, it's the same thing all the time. So I rambled a lot, but I hope this was helpful. So we got time to share, and I'll stop blathering.